are back with tonight movie i am your host sarah as always join with my dearly beloved older brother a uh, mr benjamin turner so today we are talking about the 1941 american film noir film the maltese falcon written and directed by mr john houston himself ben would you like to tell us the plot uh, it's in San Francisco. Uh, private investigators Sam Spade and Miles Archer are hired by Ruth Wonderly to search for a missing sister and to look for a man named Floyd Thursby, who might have her, or might have kidnapped her, sorry. As the P.I. search for her sister and Thursby, they unravel a variety of information, secrets, and lies where they attempt to piece it all together and get to the bottom of the mystery. So this is considered one of the major film classes, of course. I... The first time I ever actually heard about this film was the, actually the 1980s show, The A-Team, where they did a parody episode um, titled The Maltese Cow, one of the, uh, what's the, why can't I think of his name? He's my favorite character. Murdoch, um, played by Dwight Schultz. He is obsessed with Humphrey Bogart, who plays the lead, char- um, the lead character in this film, or one of them, um, plays Sam Spade. And he's absolutely, Murdoch is absolutely obsessed just with Humphrey Bogart and this movie and so throughout this entire episode he just channels him and so that's how i found out about this movie and i forced ben to watch it with me so we can talk about it because i was Mm -hmm. very curious and it's one of my favorite episodes in the entire series so as we said humphrey bargo humphrey bogart i can talk today can't i Mm -hmm. uh he plays the title character and he talks very fast and this leads into one of my likes but also kind of a dislike in the script. Um, I like the script for the most part. I like the fact that it's very clean cut. There's not really a lot of excess fat. It's straightforward, to the point, has some good comedy, especially between Sam Spade and one of the other characters, Gutman. But I dislike the fact that Humphrey Bogart talks super freaking fast in this movie to the point where I actually had to have subtitles to follow along. Granted, I use subtitles most of the time, but I don't actually actively pay ten- pay attention to them and way too fast and i had to watch it a second time in order to catch everything i don't know if you had to deal with that because I, I think we watched it at different times yeah so do you have any likes dislikes yeah i uh so uh, full disclosure i am dead it's an unpopular opinion definitely not a fan of this film um i thought you would honestly yeah well so this is humphrey bogart's uh breakout role um he was like 40 or something when it, when it came out. So, was he really that old? Yeah, yeah, because he was born, he, he was a World War One vet. So, I did not I, he, know yeah, that. he'd be somewhere around that age. Um, I am really glad I watched Sabrina, Kane Mutiny, Cas- and Casablanca before I watched any of Humphrey Bogart's film noir movies. Because I've seen The Big Sleep. <laughs> yeah, I've seen Big Sleep, Key Largo, and now Maltese Falcon. I dislike all of them. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I don't get me wrong. I respect the Maltese Falcon for its historical uh, significance, but I just I can't stand it, and I am I'm I I just I don't like it. I don't like it. Uh, and I, we'll get more into the reasons why. There are a couple things I do enjoy about it, but one of the things I I did not enjoy the script. <laughs> uh, and again, it's a very popular opinion, but so be it. Um, and my main dislike was they talk so much, almost nothing happens. Granted, there are yeah. a couple lines in there that are absolutely amazing. They're jaw-dropping. Um, and, you know, they're in the American lexicon for a reason. You know, like, this is the stuff that dreams are made of, lines like that. Uh, 
I just wish there were more lines like, well, I wish there were just more less lines in general in the movie. They talked so, so much. much. You guys just let like have some action or something. And I say that as kind of like a snobby guy who likes the art films, but like this it was even a little bit <laughs> a little bit out there. Yeah, just a little bit too much for me. Um well, like, Yeah, that was my main problem with the script. It was so <laughs> that kind of leads into my next point because I was looking like racking my brain. I'm like, okay, so, like cinematography, like what do I like? And there's not really much to go on cinematography wise because what did I, I wrote I wrote something down. What did I write down? It has a few jump. It has little jump cuts and a, and a couple of long shots, which I do enjoy because I we know I hate jump cuts like that, especially when they're like back to back and it hurts my head. And so because of that it also just didn't really focus too much cinematography wise and going to your point of too much talking what i've noticed with films it either does all show and no tell or all tell and no show and by what and what i mean by that is it's either all picturesque like dunkirk and little talking or it's all telling like act like a lot of talking like with maltese falcon but nothing really to sh else to show it so I understand what I understand that again I had to watch this maybe twice in order to actually kind of fully grasp everything because I will admit the first time around I was kind of bored and then the second time around it's like okay and I got the general basis of what it's about and everything again for me it was the talking too fast and I talk fast you know mm -hmm. I talk like a speed demon and slowing down is very hard for me and so when this is when I say this is too fast for me it's way too fast yeah, I, yeah, it's just, it was so boring. And I'm contrasting that with Cas Casablanca and Citizen Kane especially, which is oh, one yeah. of my favorite movies, Citizen Kane. Great film. Um, and it's like, it, it just murders me. I, I don't get why people like it so much, but I guess, you know, that's just me. Well, um, I, I do want to check out high at some point. It made me want to look at High Sierra, though, which is, uh, really? yeah, a couple months after this. Um. It's a heist film with Humphrey Bogart. It was like his second breakout film. <laughs> so I, I'm like, okay, maybe maybe something changes between this and Casablanca. Because I also didn't like Humphrey Bogart's acting. I, d I really thought it was the cheesiest thing in the world. And I'm just kind of sitting here like, <laughs> oh, this guy a tough guy. I, I laugh almost every t every other scene with him. Just because, you know, he says. And then I look at Casablanca where he's just he brings such charisma to the screen and I just do not see that in Maltese Falcon. Uh, but back to cinematography. <coughs> you good? Yeah, excuse you me. I need, I'll have a little bit of coffee. Hold on one second. Ben is having his mid-morning snack as we're yeah. <laughs> recording um, this. So every time he eats, he's just standing away. Like, I don't want to get this yeah. mic. <laughs> so, uh, cinematography was the one thing I could appreciate, even though I didn't really like a lot. Uh, so... I noticed it was very it was highly stylized for a for a movie made in 1941. Um high extremely stylized. Uh and it, you know a lot of playing with shadows, a lot of playing with uh you know shadows and lightning. Um not very much with the camera angles because that wasn't, yeah. you know, rev <laughs> nothing Wrong revolutionary enough. with camera angles really ha didn't really happen for another couple of years. Uh but in that sense, I really liked it. 
I, well, I appreciated it. <laughs> you can see Ben's <laughs> as a face fan right of, now. As a fan of, uh, so I'm not really much of a fan of noir, except like in cyberpunk genre, you know, like the Blade Runner movies. Oh. Um, so looking at, and looking at, uh, comparing it to Blade Runner, I can definitely see how the Maltese Falcon and the Big Sleet uh, really influenced the cyberpunk genre, and especially Blade Runner, which is, again, one of my favorite movies. Um, so in that in that sense, I definitely appreciated it. It's weird but, though. Sorry, continue. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But again, I... It was more. It was more of a historical appreciation, like, oh, I understand the background, yeah, and less about this. <clears throat> Jeez, uh, the cinematography was good enough to stand on its own, and I'm contra. And I, I actually think cinematography in uh, Citizen, well, Citizen Kane is more moving, simply I, because, I can agree. yeah, simply because of the way they play with uh, the how the how the buildings. How the sets fit on screen. I guess that's more of a production design thing. Um, But how they use, uh, how they film the vistas uh, and the cinematography in there is, I think, a lot more compelling than Maltese Falcon. I can agree with you on that, especially. Citizen Kane came out earlier. (laughs) (laughs) I can agree with you, yeah, because in terms like Citizen Kane, Casablanca, and the Maltese Falcon, all very prevalent films at the time. No matter what you and I think about it or what other people think, it is very historically significant because it did pave the way for other films and it definitely like hit hit stamp on the film noir genre and just opened so many doors that honestly probably like would have still been possible let's be real but it still again made their mark made their stamp so kind of going off that we talked about Lay Samurai which I absolutely I did not expect to actually enjoy oh. that film and so I can definitely see how Maltese mm-hmm. Falcon influenced it. influenced Les Samurai. And Les Samurai is one of the few detective noir movies I actually really oh. like. Oh, it was really good. And we talked and we talked about it. And so for those of you who don't know what Les Samurai is, it is a neo noir film, French neo noir film, so a revival of the film noir genre. Um, Maltese Falcon was did in, was done in 1941. Les Samurai was done in 19 what was it 1967. Both kind of noir, both noir films. One, um, let's summarize just the revival of the film noir genre, and of course French. Would in like in what ways do you think they're set twenty years apart? In what ways do you think they're similar or like, um, like they're and they're different? Do, which one do you prefer? The main difference is the is talking. The talking. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the talking. it is the talking. There is barely any talking in *Les Samurai*, and it's what makes it such a compelling movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't they speak like four words in the first five minutes and that's it or something i mean hyperbolic but yeah it's it's something like that uh and <laughs> and if the movie was <laughs> are you, are you so okay that's the that's the main difference it's, i see it's the topic. um yeah it, that's the main one and it it brings a lot of uh charisma from what is it? his name's elaine dion right yeah. That's the yeah. That's the main uh, actor's Dion, name. I think. Yeah, it gives him more room to be uh, to have a charismatic screen presence. I will say my one complaint though with Lay Samurai is what I like about the Maltese Falcon. Mm-hmm. I said this before. No one in Lay Samurai 
expresses any type of emotion. Do you, that annoys me yeah, so Yeah, but in the Maltese Falcon, all they like do is it. tell each other how they feel, and it's so much exposition. Uh, but at least you get to see some emotion. At least there's like some yelling and couple fighting. Guess, there's yeah. tears dying. So at least there's some emotion. I guess. I guess. I can I can respect for that. The, for a little summer, I'm just like, oh, dear Lordy, can you, for the love of everything, can you please show some sort of emotion? <laughs> yeah. Instead of just basically RBF throughout the entire mm, movie. Fair like, enough. That was like the main thing that annoyed me with that and at least with the Maldives Falcons like okay thank god talking or not at least they got emotion in there and it was I can actually kind of actually I was gonna say I could follow it a bit more but it, I had to say watch it twice in order for me to actually mm-hmm. get it but there was emotion and I needed that emotion in order to actually like okay I can have some sort of I guess connection with the makes sense yeah see what they're doing and so all right, one, one thing I also do want to talk about, we're going to shift first completely. So, be, And this is not really going to spoil the film at all. We do our best not to spoil much of these films. Um, we try. Sometimes we fail, but we try. But at the beginning of the movie, it kind of gives a brief description of the Maltese Falcon, what it is. Um, and so, just for you guys, because you're gonna, if you watch the movie, you're going to get it within the first 30 seconds. Essentially, this Maltese Falcon is worth millions of dollars and it has like there was jewels encrusted in it and everyone is on the hunt for this Maltese Falcon and you get to learn more about the characters and who they are as time goes on so at the beginning of the film they have the text at the beginning but then like halfway through the halfway through it they tell you they basically repeat that text I don't the one thing I don't understand though is was that text at the beginning really necessary and why it was there. So that, that's my main question. I don't know if you got an answer for that. Or if you, even if you felt it was necessary or unnecessary. I didn't. No. I definitely didn't. Simply because, like, I was, yeah, it was kind of weird. And maybe there was, it almost looked like the studio forced that in. I should probably look that up. Because um, it makes no it makes no sense at all. Like, you're just talking about it. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's part of my main complaint about, you know, too much talking and way too much exposition. Um, I think that's very indicative of the flaws in the movie. Actually, I just really like going off that. Not, not going off that because I had a thought and my thought decided to leave. So ignore that. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. Move on to something else as well. So John Houston uh didn't like prior to this didn't really hear of him like that much kind of knew of but didn't dive deep into it Uh, as i was doing i do my kind of daily background research on this and i found that he had done something i'm gonna admiral i guess you want to say but um some but what he had done during the pre-production phase is he thought every scene out and thought everything out production wise to the minute detail so that when production came it was very evenly flowed there was not going to be much for hiccups because he wanted to avoid that also throughout throughout the making of the film every scene with the exception of some exterior night shots it was all shot in order and then when post-production came about um there was not much for editing that was done like they didn't cut much dialogue out or really cut anything out and so it was very clean cut to the point it's little over 90 minutes and i think like again despite our opinions and despite the copious amounts of talking um 
I think that actually made the film better in a sense, knowing that. Hmm. Because it's like, okay, nothing, it kind of did feel like you were following all the events. It didn't feel like there were really not much for film discrepancies because sometimes when you watch a film, um, one scene, one background character, I guess like if it's a female, like will have their hair up and then like in the very next scene or like they'll pan it to someone else who has their hair down. Like that, it, like like those types of film discrep- discrepancies, our mother can point those out from a mile away. It's kind of impressive, but also a little scary at times, but she can point those out from a mile away. And I like the fact that you don't see those film discrepancies a lot. And for, for me, I find it very oddly satisfying. Hmm. So, what do you I think? I never really see that. Um, I'm curious of what the effect ha- that that had on the budget. And yeah, um, actually worked very well. Yeah, exactly. They went. They went it probably under, did. They what? They were under budget. It only cost about three hundred seventy thousand, and the box office was one point eight million. Hmm. I don't know what that computes to today's dollars, but. John Huston and everyone made their money back, and the yeah. cast and crew enjoyed themselves. Yeah. And this was one of the first movies I think where so John Huston and Humphrey Bogart apparently were super super good friends. Uh, they became kind of friends here, and then on high, the set of High Sierra, apparently they became like best friends, and that's where they start. And that's when they started doing all those movies together. Uh, gosh, I mean, I really should watch High Sierra. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is just but, no, motivating me to watch. Yeah, High yeah. <laughs> Redeem Humphrey Bogart after this movie. Um, What's interesting, though, is the fact that he was not... Humphrey Bogart was not the first choice to play Sam Spade. Who was it? George Raft. I have no idea who that is. Me neither. He was offered the role. He rejected it um, because he didn't want to work with an inexperienced director. (laughs) Um, And then he went to work... And then he worked on Manpower with Raul Walsh as their director. Bogart was offered the role. He accepted it quickly. John Huston was a very happy man. And that because Humphrey Bogart came into this role the two of them as Ben said John Huston and Bogart they they were able to work on so many other films together mm-hmm. which I find amazing mm-hmm. one of the people that stood out to me in this movie was Peter Lore I'm very upset that I need to probably watch more of his movies um, oh Joel Cairo yeah he played Joel Cairo uh, I liked him actually a lot yeah he's a, he's a really good actor um he died in the '60s, so he didn't have like a lot of a uh, lot of stuff. He was a Hungarian Jew, uh, so and so he had to leave Europe before. Um, I think he was Jewish. I do remember he had to leave Europe for some reason though uh, in the '40s because you know something happened there. Um, <laughs> and then <Submit>. yeah, <laughs> uh, before that he was apparently really he was in a couple uh, German films with um, shoot what was his name Fritz Lang. There we go. He was okay. one of the founding directors of the German um, cinema movement there. Apparently it was really good. It kind of inspired me to take a look at him because like he has, he's a good actor. He has, He's a creepy he looking well. dude. Oh, yeah. He is he's weirdest like voice size. in the world. Yeah. Yeah, for <laughs> reference, I'm five foot two. Yeah. So he's probably either my height, maybe. Yeah, he made Humphrey Bogart look tall and Humphrey Bogart was like five six. Um, I thought he was tall. Oh, wait. I yeah. Now I know why. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah, really good. Honestly, the except for Humphrey Bogart, most of the actors were actually pretty good. I did not like Bogart at all <laughs> okay. in this movie, and it sucks because like I actually love him in his non-film noir movies. I think he's actually really good. I just don't think he's a very good actor in the film noir movies. Do you know who? Okay, I got my my favorite character throughout this entire mm-hmm. film was Effie, who plays the secretary, um, for Sam Spade and Miles Archer, mm-hmm. and I like her because she honestly put 
she knows everything about the two she and they're she's one of the very few people that the both of them trust like to a t and they and she knows essentially everything mm-hmm. that's going on in their lives and throughout this movie she also puts up with like no bs from them at all and she just tells it straight to the face the one person that really annoyed me the most and they didn't have much of a role was miles's wife she yeah. irritated the crap out of she me. Was, that was, she was useless. Wait. She was the useless character. <laughs> in a way, I thought so too. And then I realized, okay, slight spoiler alert, but not really because it plays a huge part of the role, film. But Miles Archer, he dies within the first seven minutes of the film. And yeah. that's incredibly crucial to the plot. Mm-hmm. And so, like, Miles' wife, she kind of does play a semi-important role in, like, that aspect. But other than that, not yeah, really. I, it was just like, oh, she's, she's just, on screen, and then she left. <laughs> she's a needy woman who, honest to God, I don't know if she knows what she wants. Yeah. I, and she's crying all the time, and she's just jealous of whatever thing, and she annoys me, okay? If I could take her out, I would. Yeah. And, I th- like, the actress who played her, good job. But she was still very much annoying. Yeah, exactly. In every aspect. Okay. I had another. I was gonna like one of my questions was opinion on Miles's wife, and I think yeah, I think we we beat that to death a little bit. Yeah, (laughs) just a little bit, mostly me. Okay, so I want to I want to go back to the script one more time. There were like we talked about, there was no fluff. There's really no fluff in this film. Do you think that hindered the performance or not? Because you said I don't know. So I I was looking at it, and like I should mention this earlier, the reason I think the reason why there's so much dialogue is uh, it's a longer book. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I know this is based off a book yeah, in the 1930s. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a longer book. So like they have to like shove all this stuff in there, so everyone has to talk a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of exposition because otherwise the plot doesn't move forward. And it is like when you look at it, it is kind of a uh, complicated. I would say convoluted, but let's be diplomatic and say complicated plot. Um. And that may... Oh, shoot. What was your question? <laughs> <laughs> I said, like, do you think that the fluff... There's no fluff in the script. Oh, yeah, Do you think yeah. that hindered or not? I think it hindered it because, like I said, it was too much talking. And I think the fluff time would have been able to... Something interesting could have happened in the fluff time. Maybe, like, a shootout or, like, somebody <laughs> not talking for more than 60 seconds. Like... That would be well, thirty seconds probably. That would be great. Uh, some something to play with camera work. I mean, well, something that, like yeah. that. Uh, like, uh, look at from a purely script standpoint. Like, look at look at Lay Samurai. Yeah. Where Lay Samurai doesn't really have much of anything going on in it. Little to no. Um, talking. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. A lot of long shot. There isn't much fluff in the script. But at the same time, that leaves that leaves a lot more room for. Uh, them to you know play with scenes for th- for things to happen actually, now that, yeah now, like actually now that i think about it in lay samurai this is honestly now just turned into a comparison episode. yeah <laughs> with lay samurai i like the fact that we got to see and it's probably because we've never been to paris um we got to see a lot a lot of paris and those long shots and like ben and i were born and raised in the bay area we we're like yeah what, there were 30, no shots of san francisco so, yeah, so we're 30 40 <laughs> minutes out of san francisco and so we've seen a lot of san francisco um, just throughout the various 20 plus years of our lives. I will say though, it would have been nice to see San Francisco back in the day, but I don't know if this was, it was set in San Francisco. I don't know if they were, it actually filmed it in San Francisco or if it was just soundstage or whatever, but if they, if they were, um, what was the 
filmed that's the word i'm looking for i was thinking recorded and i don't know why um if they actually filmed in san francisco i think it would be really cool to see some shots because at the beginning i believe you have a shot of the golden gate bridge but i think that's really it other than that you don't really have much for shots and so again if they filmed in san francisco would have been cool to see old school sf back in the day Mm -hmm. i also had another question oh yeah oh like so back onto my ever so favorite character effie what do you think of the relationship between her and sam it's not romantic in any sense right it's Uh, just purely platonic yeah i mean it's it's not bad i uh, it's probably one of the higher points in the movie for me um but i don't know i i just find it interesting like he has the different relationships he has with the three women in the film mm-hmm. effie it's completely platonic um with mel's his wife is just weird and then no it's lustful yeah yeah it, it, a little bit of lustful oh yeah side note they have an affair that's kind of also a little bit crucial but you find that out in the first 10 minutes yeah, you so, also yeah. find that out within the first 10 minutes will be fine and then also why can't i think okay so ruth wonderly aka miss o'shaughnessy that's her real name is miss o'shaughnessy in the relationship that they have together so it's like it's different and which is he's helping her out but at the same time i don't know if you would say playing her but trying to figure out miss o'shaughnessy and so it's just interesting to see the different dynamics he has with the three women and all of them mm-hmm. he really mainly trusts Effie. right so and i will say that was one of the high points of the film for me as i like the relationship between the two Mm-hmm. Also, I what I find really amusing is the relationship between Gutman and um, Spade, and just whenever they talk to each other, it's just incredibly amusing to me mm. because they're just playing off each other's words, and they don't really like each other. But Gutman's just like, you know, you're straightforward guy. I like that. Mm-hmm. Not many people are like. See, I found the dialogue really cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, I kind of wanted to like, like a couple times. I kind of chuckled, like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> this could be better. Yeah, and I think it was just so over the top. If it was like, if they cut off like half the words, it probably would have been better. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Ben's main thing. Ben's main thing on this movie: cut the dialogue. <laughs> yeah, it's it just do more showing and stop telling so much. I will say, like. <clears throat> Like, when you say you're a tough guy, which is all Sam says, you're not a tough guy. Like, and just saying. <laughs> you can only say it so many times. Yeah. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Now, kind of going kind of going a little bit more into, like, Miss O'Shaughnessy. You have um, her, Gutman, and Mr. Cairo. They're all searching for this falcon, the Maltese falcon. Which one of them do you think is greedier? Because all of them are very greedy. Between O'Shaughnessy, Gutman, and Mr. Cairo? Yeah. Uh, probably Mr. Cairo. The reason really? I say that is, well, maybe Miss O'Shaughnessy. I actually think Gutman is the least greedy because it seems more like a, a, a quest for him. Like, he paints it as a quest. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, he's going to make money and he talks about money. But, like, he he's sees... A he's a vendetta. Yeah, he sees it as an adventure. Um, And granted, he's absolutely ruthless in it. But, yeah, yeah he's not afraid to hurt people a lot along the way. But, like, he's still... It's an adventure to him. Mr. Cairo is mostly in it for the money. Um, Miss O'Shaughnessy, though, is not just in it for the money. She's willing... She's done probably the worst out of all three well, of them. Well, she's a serial liar. Well, she's not just a liar. She's done other things, too. Yeah. Um, the main thing, though, yeah, so point she, out is she's a serial liar. Yeah, so in between between Mr. Cairo and Miss O'Shaughnessy, the only thing is... The only reason I'd say Miss O'Shaughnessy is greedier, greedier is because of the within the 90 minutes of the movie she did 
a lot more questionable things than even Mr. Yeah. Cairo. So yeah. I will agree with that because um at the at the end of the film um Gutman Gutman is just like, "All right, I'm going to continue with this quest." And Cairo, you know, he's just like on his chair like crying for a variety mm-hmm. of reasons. And he and Gutman looks at me good <clears throat> excuse me. Gutman looks at him and says, "I'm going to continue this quest. Like, do you want to join?" And Cairo looks at him because he was just like, yeah, we'll join. So I think it's partially because A, Cairo's like, yes, I get more money. And B, I guess, I think he secretly wants that sense of adventure again. Because I think he did enjoy the entire process mm-hmm. and searching for it. Because I think, what would they say? It was like 17 years that Gutman has been searching for this mm-hmm. um, little figurine of jewels. Mm-hmm. Um, like starting in Inst- Istanbul and everything like that. And I do agree with you. I think Miss O'Shaughnessy is a lot greedier and a lot like if we're gonna go who's like the worst like i guess like the evilest of all she probably is the top part because again serial liar serial manipulator and so that leads into my next question because her and sam spade have a very i get intimate relationship like like they, they it's obvious they have like some type of it was just like some like, tension sexual some, tension like, but that's about like it some romantic feelings toward each other yeah. possibly and so do you think that Miss O'Shaughnessy like truly loved no, Sam, no. or she was just a manipulator like willing. I to think get she anything. was just a manipulator. That's like, it. <laughs> like she would do anything to get what she wanted. Yeah. Well, at the end, she's just, like my only reason I asked that, asked that, and maybe she's just, they, she's just a great actor, it, or actress, is because at the end, like she's kind of crying a little. She's crying, like she has tears down her face, and so I can't couldn't tell if that's her like being remorseful, or she's just like no get me out of this situation now please i think it's the second one (laughs) yeah i don't think she's remorseful at all (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness yeah the woman of this film aside from effie but kind of not the best people uh miles's wife annoys the crap out of me uh o'shaughnessy like master manipulator effie is the only like good female character throughout this entire film at least my personal opinion Mm -hmm. um I kind of wanted to talk about Wilmer, though, because I feel like he's very... He's not, like, a huge prominent role. Yeah, I mean, he's just kind of, like, the whiny get kid. I don't really like him at all. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, every time he's on screen, I'm just kind of like, oh, you're just there to make Sam, like uh, Humphrey Bogart or Sam Spade look good. Well, I guess because he's also trying to... I He's trying to, trying to be, like, tougher in a sense. And he's, like, a 20-something-year-old plebe. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think of his ending? Like it, like. Do you think that it was a good or bad ending for him? Uh, I was emotionally invested in him enough to actually have actually an opinion. Care? Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. True, true. Like he was kind of just, kind of just there. Again, I think of him like the way I think Miles's wife. Small roles don't really do anything. Both kind of annoying, but they're also kind of prominent. In yeah. a way, so taking them out wouldn't really... Right. It would, it would alter things a lot. Mm-hmm. And so it would kind of change a lot of things that happened and everything like that. So, one last question. Any scene pop out to you? Because I didn't... For me, I, there was no scene that popped out. Usually there's like that um, one good scene. Just the, the end where he says, this is stuff that dreams are made of. And then the cop looks at him and says, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. That was so funny. I forgot the two cops were in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Which were kind of, honest. no, the cops in this movie, and choose my opinion, they're actually kind of amusing. 
and I think yeah. they added some life. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> it's almost like he broke the fourth wall for me when he said, what do you mean? And I was just like, yeah, because he kind of sounds like a dork when he says it. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. It's an amazing line, but the context of which he says it, like, <laughs> it's just kind of like, what? <laughs> There's one cop that has, like, a vendetta against Spade in a way. It's like, a very weird, like, dynamic that they have. And he's just looking at him like, what? are you talking about like <laughs> what <laughs> that's just how it is it's great and fantastic all right so unless you have anything else to add on this film I which i hi- which i highly doubt that you have no i do not <laughs> he just wants this to be done <laughs> <laughs> i mean people watch it i i'm in the minority that doesn't like it listen to the crowd yeah i will say if you're gonna watch this watch it watch it twice to kind of get the full grasp of it because Fairly simple plot, yes, but again, the talking fast and trying to catch everything, you won't catch everything the first time around, and you're probably going to be thrown off by the fast talking a little bit. All right, so on that lovely note, thank you for joining us for another lovely episode of Tonight Movie, and we will be back next week talking about another great film. Have a great day.